2: Welcome to Guardians Weekly on the Cleveland Guardians Radio Network. Guardians Weekly is brought to you by Progressive, helping Guardians fans save hundreds on car insurance. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Guardians Weekly. Jim Rosenhouse, along with you from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland, where the Guardians are taking on the Rays this weekend. As we get into the month of September, the Guardians within shouting distance of first place in the American League Central Division as the Twins remain on top by five games after Friday night's results heading into play on saturday night good show lined up for you today in just a little bit we'll hear from cole calhoun who had quite the road trip with a pair of extra inning game-winning base hits including a home run in the 10th inning in the big game on wednesday out in minneapolis allowing the guardians to come from behind and win the series against the twins we will also hear from chris antonetti who met with the media after the Guardians acquired three players in waiver claims on Thursday, changing the complexion certainly of the bullpen and the starting rotation too. And we'll also have a farm report with Rob Cerfolio. He'll update us on single-A Lynchburg, what's been going on down there as they get closer to the end of their season. But first, a look back at the week in review, and we start on Tuesday night After a tough loss on Monday night in Minneapolis against the first place Twins, a loss that dropped the Guardians seven games back of Minnesota, and uh, certainly things were looking dire in terms of chances to win the division. It's still an uphill climb, but a lot changed on Tuesday night as the Guardians got the scoring started in the second inning thanks to a big blast from Bo Naylor. Now the windup, now the 0-1 pitch. Swing and a high drive deep right field this ball's got a chance. Gone Bo Naylor onto the concourse beyond the seats and right and he has homered three times on this road trip and back to back home runs here at target field a towering blast to right field onto the concourse area beyond the right field bleacher seats and that. Home run came on a 94-mile-an-hour fastball. Bo Naylor's seventh home run, one nothing Cleveland. And for Naylor, that was his third home run in three starts, the youngest to do that since Manny Ramirez back in 1995. So it was one nothing Cleveland. They made it 2-0 in the third when Jose Ramirez scored on a wild pitch. And then looking for more in the fourth, Cole Calhoun came through with the bases loaded. Here it comes. Swung on a chopper to the right side scooped up by the first baseman Gallo flips to the pitcher covering Lopez is there for the out but that does get the run home from third as Gabriel Arias comes down the line and scores and it's now three nothing Cleveland give Calhoun his 12th run driven in on the ground out to first the twins got a run back in the bottom of the fourth inning on a solo home run off the bat of hot hitting Royce Lewis. That made the score 3-1 Cleveland. Then in the seventh, the Guardians went back to work with a couple of men on and Will Brennan standing in. The 2-2. A swing and a little floater towards center. It gets down for a hit. And the steal pays off. Jimenez around third will slide in head first and score the fourth run. So Andres Jimenez with that key stolen base scores on the two-out single to center by Will Brennan. And the Guardians keep terrorizing Emilio Pagan. It is four to one Cleveland, and give Will Brennan his 35th run batted in. In the ninth, Emmanuel Classe was on. He did give up a solo home run to Michael Taylor, allowing the Twins to pull to within two runs, but then Classe was able to lock back in and finish the job. Now the two-one delivery. Swing and a little pop-up. Behind the plate, Naylor's there, makes the catch, ball game. And the Guardians, even the series, and the Twins hear a few more boos. Final tonight, Cleveland 4, Minnesota 2. So a nice win. Cut the deficit to six games with Minnesota still in first place, heading to the rubber match of the series on Wednesday afternoon. And what a game it turned out to be. Scoreless until the fifth inning, Tanner Bybee, And Sonny Gray locked up in an outstanding pitcher's duel. Minnesota did strike for two runs in that inning as they took the lead and looked to be in control as Gray gave the Twins seven scoreless innings. However, he turned it over to the bullpen in the eighth. The Guardians were able to get it going with a double from Gabriel Arias. And then Stephen Kwan came through in the clutch with two outs. Here's his one-two. Swung on, line, base hit left field. Quan comes through as Arias scores, and the Guardians cut the lead in half. It's now Minnesota two, Cleveland one, on Stephen Quan's two-out RBI single. Forty-five runs driven in for Quan, oh, and again he he got down 0-2 in the count, but battled and didn't try and do too much. The pitch was on the outside part of the plate, and he just kind of flicked the wrists and slapped it into left field for a base hit. Then in the night, the Guardians had a couple of men on base with two outs, two strikes. Twins closer, Johan Duran, was trying to end it with Bo Naylor at the plate. Duran one strike away from ending it. The big right-hander lets it fly. Inside, it goes back to the screen. Down the line comes Jimenez. He scores the tying run. Or did he? Rocco Baldelli comes out. Right now, it's a wild pitch. I wonder if they want to look at this to see if it hit Naylor, who started to back in with that pitch, actually went behind him. And the question will be, did it hit him? The call on the field is confirmed. He was not hit by the pitch. Minnesota will lose their challenge. So, the run scores from third. We're tied at two here in the ninth inning. And in the bottom of the ninth inning, Trevor Steffen was on, trying to send the game to extra innings. Now the 0 2 called strike three on the inside corner Jeffers caught looking we'll see if he's around for extra innings as he really lets Jose Navas hear about it on his way back to the dugout but Stefan comes on strikes out the side and we have extra innings today in Minneapolis your score after nine the Guardians to the Twins two. So on to the 10th we went, tied at two. Bo Naylor was the runner at second base to start the inning. An intentional walk to Jose Ramirez, put two men on for the hot hitting Cole Calhoun. Here's the 3-0. He swings and drives one high in the air. Deep right center field. It's on out of here. Home run, Cole Calhoun. And the Guardians are in front. A three-run blast on a 3-0 pitch for Cole Calhoun. Cleveland has taken the lead, five to two. How many more big hits can Cole Calhoun come up with since joining this ball club? I mean, it's way more than just a veteran presence at this point. And the Guardians have taken their first lead on the day. And then it was Emmanuel Classe to try and close it out again, this time in the bottom half of the 10th inning. Now the 1-2 from Emmanuel Classe. Here it is. Swing and a miss, strike three, and the Guardians have done it. Coming from behind to win in extra innings in a game they had to have. Your final score today in 10 from Target Field, Cleveland 5, Minnesota 2. So that cut the Twins' lead to five games in the division, heading into the homestand opener on Friday night. And again, we'll hear from Chris Antonetti about the three acquisitions the Guardians made with a ton of roster moves to follow. That was on Thursday's off day. But first, a look ahead to Friday night, the opener of the homestand in the series with Tampa Bay. The Rays jumped out to a 2-0 lead, scoring a run in each of the first two innings. But in the third, the Guardians got one back thanks to a sack fly by Cole Calhoun. That made it a 2-1 Rays lead. Cal Quantrill back on the mound for the Guardians. Shook off some rust early on, and then he really settled in as the game went along. The 3-2 is chopped to the third baseman. Ramirez up with it. Fires to first in time for the out. And a third straight, three-up, three-down inning recorded by Cal Quantrill. We'll head to the bottom of the fifth. It's still Tampa Bay 2. The Guardians 1. Then in the seventh, the Guardians offense came alive as Andres Jimenez singled, stole second to move into scoring position with Gabriel Arias coming to the plate. Here comes the pitch. And it's swung there on the line. Go. Base hit left field. That will score Jimenez with the tying run. And Gabriel Arias comes through. Two two ball game. And then it was Bo Naylor who's developed that clutch gene. He tried to put the Guardians in front. And there's a swing and a line drive headed to the alley in right center. It splits the gap all the way to the wall. On his way to third is Arias. He's being waved around. He will score, and the Guardians take the lead. Bo Naylor comes up big with an RBI double, 3-2 Cleveland. Naylor with his ninth double. 20 batted in now for Bo Naylor and he's coming off a solid road trip at the plate and he comes up huge here in the seventh. And in the ninth Emmanuel Classe was on to secure the victory. Here comes the 2-1. Swung on a tapper out to the mound. Classe's on it. Spins, fires, close play. Got him at first. And the Guardians take game one of this three-game series. They do it and come from behind fashion by a final score of 3-2. Stay with us. We'll have more after this. So a nice start to the homestand for the Guardians Friday night. They're back at it at 6:10 on Saturday night, Emmanuel Classe bobblehead night. And then the series finale Sunday late afternoon. The ballgame will begin at 4:10 at Progressive Field. We'll take a timeout and then come back and hear from Cole Calhoun. That's next on the Cleveland Clinic Guardians Radio Network.
0: Baseball, basketball, pickleball. Those are sports, and people love sports. If you love sports, you should know this. Drivers who switch and save with progressive could save hundreds. Does saving have anything to do with sports? No, the people love sports, so I'm yelling sports out. Hockey, swimming, golf. Not all sports have the word ball in there. So save big when you switch to progressive. Go sports teams. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Potential savings will vary.
2: Jim Rosenhouse back with you. It's Guardians Weekly from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland. Great to have you with us as the Guardians open a new home stand. Not only Tampa Bay here for the weekend... But then the Twins come in Labor Day Monday evening, a 6-10 first pitch, and Minnesota's also here at 6-10 on Tuesday night, and then a 110 series finale Wednesday afternoon. Well, the Guardians would not still have playoff hopes had it not been for the acquisition of Cole Calhoun in early August as he was signed to a contract after spending his season at the AAA level in both the Yankees and the Dodgers organization. And since getting his chance, he has provided a steady influence in the clubhouse and some clutch hitting on the field. And we caught up with Calhoun earlier in the week before he hit the three-run home run in the 10th inning of Wednesday's win in Minnesota. He had had a big hit Sunday in Toronto an 11th inning, go-ahead double in the win over the Blue Jays. And he says so far his Guardians experience has gone as well as he could have imagined.
3: I'm just going out and playing and having fun. You know, I uh, kind of talked about the adjustments that I've made uh, in in the offseason and wanted to get back to the player that, that I used to be. And it's been a lot of fun playing baseball, you know, and had success kind of every stop that I've made this year. And so I'm not going to say that I expected it, but it was what I, I was planning on coming up here and doing it. You never know how it's going to go. I mean, small sample size and a lot of good players. That, I mean, a sample size like that can go... A lot of different ways you know and so just happy with the success and and happy uh, being out here playing and and having fun. Uh,
2: Has the opportunity that that you've gotten has that been a surprise at all not knowing coming in what it would be?
3: Yeah I didn't know uh, I didn't know what to expect I was I was sitting in AAA and waiting for 30 teams you know to to give me a shot so this one came up and the shot was at first base, and go out and see what you can do with the bat, and it's went pretty well, you know, and haven't played a lot of first base, but starting to get a little comfortable over there.
2: And you mentioned that, and I see out there before the game every day, no matter if it's a day game, night game, doesn't matter, you and Mike Sarbaugh working on things, but the play in the ninth inning yesterday, I'm, I'm guessing that's not one you can really work on a whole lot, and, and where does that come from? The the ability to make that play on it. just a split second decision.
3: Yeah, I don't know. I think uh, everything for me over at first base has kind of been reactionary, and uh, I don't know. I was supposed to be in on a on a bump play, came right to me. felt felt right to to throw a third. Thought I had time, and I don't know. We got the guy out, and I mean, ended up ended up changing the game. You know, you never know what happens. Um, guy on third, less than two, so we get him out at third, and, and next guy grounds in double play, and we're out of the in. End up winning that ball game. So. I don't know. It just uh, ball came to me, made a play. That's all, all I could say about that.
2: And you mentioned the adjustments at the plate that, that you made in the offseason. It seems whether you've gotten results or not, you've had good at-bats. And is that the key in an 11th inning when you come up with a, with a chance to do some damage?
3: Yeah, I think just kind of overall. I, I wanted the ability to come into each day and, and be able to compete. I think there was a lot of times last year and in previous years that, you know it was kind of feast or famine it was going to be a really good day or it was going to be really bad and i I was trying to kind of limit those highs and lows and i feel like i've been able to to be a little bit more consistent this year and so i'm trying to have good at bats no matter what situation you know that i'm in so we'll see how it goes man putting one foot in in front of the other and and living it day by day and it's been fun
2: it cleveland is close enough where this is a big series and, and when you look at that, uh, how exciting is that, especially for a veteran player with the season that you've had, trying to find that good spot at the major league level to be in these types of games now the next couple of weeks?
3: Yeah, this is awesome. Um, this is what every baseball player wants, you know, having meaningful games as you get into September. And, and this is fun. We've got a great opportunity right in front of us. Uh, these are the guys that we're chasing, so we got to play these guys tough. And I'm excited about it. I mean, it's going to be a great atmosphere. It's, it, this is a big game. Every pitch is going to be important, and so it's going to be fun
2: to go out and play. And you're one of the veteran players here with a lot of young players on this team. What do you see in that clubhouse, though, that gives you confidence that they'll be able to play to the best of their abilities in these big games?
3: Yeah, I think uh, I think they're they're just relaxed. They they're taking it day by day, game by game, and not making the moment, I think, bigger than, than what it is. Um, you start looking at the, at the big picture and, and looking down the road and, and where we're at, I think, gets a little bit harder once you can focus on kind of just that day-to-day. You kind of simplify things. And so just out here playing baseball, and we want to play good baseball, you know, and so that's got to happen tonight. We can't worry about tomorrow. We can't worry about what happened before. You know, I think if we, uh, we get on a hot streak, uh, you never know what can happen.
2: Good stuff, Cole. Thanks a lot for coming by. appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. What an impact Cole Calhoun has made on this ball club is uh, you just get the feeling he is having the time of his life getting that second chance to continue his career in the major leagues after spending all season until August at the AAA level. On the other side of the break, it's Chris Antonetti talking about all the moves that the Guardians made on Thursday to bolster this team for the stretch run. That's next on the Cleveland Clinic Guardians Radio Network. Welcome back to Guardians Weekly. Jim Rosenhouse along with you as we join you from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland. And there were several roster additions for the Guardians heading into play on Friday night. As on Thursday, they made waiver claims three now former Los Angeles Angels joined in the ball club. Starting pitcher Lucas Giolito and then relief pitchers Reynaldo Lopez and Matt Moore. President of Baseball Operations, Chris Antonetti, filled us in. On Thursday, about the moves, what they mean, and a variety of other subjects as he met with the Cleveland media.
1: Starting with Lucas Giolito, he's been a really effective and durable Major League starter for most of his career, and we're excited to have him join our rotation to help uh, stabilize that um, and provide us some competitive innings moving forward. And then in Matt Moore and Ronaldo Lopez, we feel like we've added two arms to our bullpen that will both improve our depth Uh, guys that have experience pitching late in the games and should give Tito and Carl some more options for us to match up uh, as we move forward. Chris, Um, how quickly did you put together a strategy uh, for these waiver claims once uh, you learned who would be made available by the Angels and and the other teams? We started discussions right away, Joe, uh, at least the internal discussions. And, you know, as we, you know, there were a a number of players on waivers, not just these three, but in the end, we felt um, these three were the, the three that made the most sense for us. And, you know, we were fortunate to be able to put in claims and be awarded the claims. Chris, what does this mean for the rotation with Giolito? Uh, we're in the process of working through that. Zach, he'll obviously slot in. Um, we're trying to coordinate travel and when he'll get here and when it makes sense to slide him in. But um, so we'll have more to come on that probably tomorrow. Any developments with Gavin Williams or just the rookies in general and, and what you guys want to do with them? Uh, nothing new. Gavin did have a good day today, came into the ballpark, um, was feeling better, got some treatment, um, but seems to be progressing pretty well. Um, we'll continue to have more information on him each day as we move along. But uh, as of right now, it looks like we've avoided uh, the worst case. So, Bruce, how, how do you uh, fit these guys on the roster? So we have to make the immediate moves for the 40-man, which we designated Eric Haas and Peyton Battenfield. And those that's how we created the two 40-man spots. Uh, we don't have to make corresponding moves until um, on the 26 man until they report. Chris, you called it a a unique opportunity. I'm just from your vantage point of, of when this uh, came down uh, in the last few days. It's obviously unusual for, you know, for a team to put this many players on waivers and, and this this many experienced players, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, just what was your your, your take on, on, on seeing that develop? Because it is so unusual. Yeah, I, Well, these weren't the only three guys on waivers. There were other teams right. that placed players on waivers in similar situations, but um, we looked at it as an opportunity to improve our team. And it's rare that you have the ability to improve the team during a season, uh, especially with quality players like this, when it doesn't require um, trading white good players. I mean, I think if you look at the return, um, you know, a number of these players were traded for a month ago um, to be able to acquire them for, you know, a meaningful amount of cash, but um, but no player capital. I think it was a a move that made a lot of sense and one that doesn't happen that often.
4: Chris, what, would you have uh, if you didn't go four and two on this last road trip? Would you have done this?
1: No, I'm not sure, Paul. It's hard to deal in hypotheticals. I'm glad we went four and two on the road trip and we had this opportunity. Chris, how hard is it to integrate, um, especially on the pitching side, guys? You know, this late in the season. Um, you know and and coaches working with them that sort of thing. Well the good news is especially with uh, Lucas and Ronaldo we have a lot of familiarity with both guys having having faced them for a number of years within the division. So we'll start that process as quickly as we can. Obviously we'll look to build on what they've done successfully in the past and uh try to help them assimilate into our team as as quickly and as smoothly as possible.
4: Of course, I- I don't mean to sound, well, I did, I'm probably going to sound stupid here, but how does this process work? I mean, where it's like these guys just fell in your lap.
1: Well, the way the process works is, you know, if a player is on waivers, uh, on outright waivers, any team could submit a claim, and the team, of all of the teams that submit claims, the only team that's eligible for them is the team with the worst record among that group. So in this case in particular, we submitted claims and I'm guessing a number of other teams submitted claims on these three guys and we were the team with the worst record. So we were awarded the claim. Chris, knowing that teams behind you in that order might have also been interested in some of these guys, did that motivate you any more to to make any of these claims? Our primary motivation was trying to improve our team um and find ways to, to get better. But obviously there's a secondary benefit of, you know, teams that you know, we're chasing in Minnesota, you know, don't have the opportunity to get these guys. And, you know, hopefully that that's a dual benefit for us. So were you guys surprised you got all three given you, you no, know, I, I assume you found out at the same time. Yeah, we, we didn't really have any idea. Um, You know, if our record was better, our chances of getting them would have been worse. So we had a pretty good understanding of where we were and where we felt in the competitive standings. And, you know, we weren't sure if we'd get, one, two, or three of them, but uh, we're happy we were able to get all three.
4: Did you put any claims in on anyone you didn't get?
1: I can't talk about what ha- what, what might have happened otherwise, um, but you could actually probably piece that together, Paul, and see where <laughs> players ended up and where they didn't end up, but I'll leave that to your, to your detective work to figure that out. Yeah,
4: we're in trouble then.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe phone a friend, Paul, if you need help on that one.
4: So Chris, this is just like, I mean, it's not like, you know, the the August 31st where you could, you know, you could make trades before, you know, the when there was two trade deadlines, but it's kind of like the same thing, isn't it?
1: It is. The difference though, in that case is that the, the waivers, trade waivers, what were trade waivers in the past, those waivers were revocable. So if a team placed players on waivers, another team claimed them. If the teams couldn't work out player value, you know, the other team could revoke those waivers and choose to keep them. The change now is once players are placed on waivers, if another team submits a claim like we did there, you don't have to negotiate a trade. We just get those players for the waiver price. Does that make sense, Paul? I'm happy to take, explain more offline if you have interest.
4: No, no, that, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Was there any hesitation at taking the, the uh, remaining salaries of these guys?
1: Yeah. I give, I give uh, our ownership a ton of credit, you know, and I think it's a consistent theme. Every, you know, every opportunity that we've had to improve the team, the limitation hasn't been finances. And whether that's this year or years past, uh, we've been really fortunate to have finances available to try to do that. When we haven't made moves, it's mostly been because the the player value we would have to give up uh, exceeded what we thought made sense. And in this case, as I said, there was no player value, so it was really a Financial considerations, and then how we could fit them on the roster, and you know both of those things made sense. And like I said, I think we are grateful for the support from ownership to try to make this improvement.
4: Did uh, this being perhaps Tito's last season as manager, did that uh, have any impetus impetus behind these acquisitions?
1: Uh, I mean, we're obviously cognizant of that, Paul. But I think our focus is how do we, you know, we came off a good road trip, and how do we try to continue to build on that momentum and give ourselves the best chance to compete for the postseason. And like I said before, whether or not that will be good enough and whether or not we can close the gap that's in front of us, we don't know, but we want to try. Thank you, Chris. Appreciate it. Thank you, everyone. Appreciate the Thanks time.
2: You. That's Chris Antonetti explaining the moves that the Guardians have made heading into the final month of the season. Stay with us. When we come back, we'll hear from Rob Serfolio, a farm report next on the Cleveland Clinic Guardians Radio Network.
0: Score out of bounds those are sports words some people hear any sports word and they can't help but listen like drive drive is another sports word and drivers who switch and save with progressive could save hundreds you might say those savings are on par with the best in the league (laughs) you see par is also a sports word so i know you're still listening and that's called covering our bases okay i'm done now but i'm serious about drivers saving big with progressive now i'm really done progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates potential savings will vary
2: Welcome back to Guardians Weekly. Jim Rosenhouse along with you from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland. Time for our final segment. And just a reminder, several different ways you can hear our show each week on any participating Cleveland Guardians radio network station. They pick it up and air it usually on Saturday late afternoon prior to that day's ball game that the Guardians will be playing. You can also check it out online at CLEGuardians.com on the website. All the archived editions are there, and you can also hear it in podcast form wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Rob Serfolio is the Director of Player Development for the Guardians, and he joins us on a regular basis to give us an update on the farm system. And we focused in this week on the Guardians' low single-A ball club, their first full-season minor league affiliate on the minor league ladder in Lynchburg, Virginia, part of the Carolina League. Rob was down there the last week or so. Their season is starting to wind down and come to a close. Record-wise, they're right around the 500 mark, still within shouting distance of a postseason berth. And uh, Rob filled us in on how they evaluate the season as a whole at the lower levels of the farm system.
5: There's so many levels to that answer, which with the way the – The draft works in the middle of the season with baseball. You almost change your entire roster in the middle of the summer, which is a a unique challenge that this level faces that many of our other levels do not. And you add that on top of the fact that these are really young players getting their first taste of what it's like to go through 140 games, live some of the, the challenges of travel, and because of that, it just creates such a unique learning environment for, for these guys. And um, it's been really encouraging to see these young 18, 19, 20 year olds really get better as the season has gone on. We started out the season just okay. Um, but you've seen some of these guys that are in their first full season pretty impressively kind of have better second halves than they have first halves, which is, which is always awesome to see. And I think a, a credit to, just our staff that's on ground, you know, Jordan Smith and, and the rest of his team doing a great job and getting these guys ready to play every day and continuing to learn and, and try and get better and, and also win some ball games while doing that. All
2: right, let's talk about some of those young players, and we'll start with an 18-year-old who was just assigned to Lynchburg, has spent most of his summer out in Arizona. But tell us about Jason Churio and what has you so excited about this young outfielder.
5: Yeah, you, you use the word right there. Exciting, I think, is, uh, is a great word. And obviously, Jason's older brother, Jackson, is, is doing some pretty impressive things in the minor leagues for, for Milwaukee. And, and we're pretty excited and lucky to have Jason, you know, as a, as a member of our farm system with, with the guards. And, you know, this is a guy that has a chance to impact the game on all sides of the ball, base running, defense, at the plate, switch hitter. can can handle the bat from both sides of the dish and and just does some of the some of the things that you know we expect to to see really growth around his offensive game you know he's a guy that makes contact from both sides of the plate and he's learning how to impact the baseball and you know just as an 18 year old for him to, to be able to have you know some of the continual growth on the power and impact side of of the ball is really impressive and Um, you know, I think maybe the most exciting thing about him is just how he goes about his work. He's very professional, shows up, works hard, cares about the little things on and off the field. So, you know, hopefully a guy that the Guardians fans are going to be able to expect big things of moving forward.
2: And again, for in case you missed it, fans at 18 years old, (laughs) which uh, you said that a couple of times, and that's exciting. Hey, shortstop, Jose Devers a familiar name in baseball circles and, and the Devers right. that the Guardians have in their farm system. Looks like he's had a good year.
5: He has, and this is a guy that can really play defense up the middle, just is impressive with the glove, has a really strong arm, super athletic, can play third, second. We even had to put him in the outfield one night, and he did that with with some pretty impressive athleticism, having never played out there in his entire life. And, and again, you know, Jose's a guy that that's young getting his first taste of of 140 games and has gotten stronger as the year has gone on. And um, for for a guy that plays up the middle to be hitting for as much power as he has while also just putting together consistent at-bats night in and night out has has been really exciting for the staff in Lynchburg and and why he's been a staple in their lineup night in, night out.
2: And I know a difference this year as opposed to, to recent seasons for a lot of different factors, but you've had some of your... 2023 drafted players sent out to play with a full season affiliate and tell us about the position side of things who's shown up late in the season here at Lynchburg
5: yeah you know Rosie we try and take that year by year and and like we've talked about on the show for a couple weeks now of the draft happening middle of the year some of the new rules in minor league baseball about new drafted players entering you know this 180 player cap that we now have um we had a couple guys in CJ Kafis and Alex Mooney that had played deep into the college season and hadn't had, you know, a, a huge layoff from, from actually being in games. And we thought we could take advantage of that. And these are, you know, two talented young players, a third and a sixth rounder that we felt like one, we're ready for the, the competition quality. And two, we're just ready to go out there from a physical standpoint and a readiness standpoint. And, and go out there and compete. And, you know, we've had a lot of our new draftees get into gameplay, whether it's these two guys in Lynchburg or some of the pitchers as well that have made their way over to low A, as well as the group that's remained in Arizona and are currently part of our instructs group out in Arizona.
2: On the pitching side, I know you're excited about Jackson Humphreys. How come?
5: Yeah. You know, I think there's some parallels to what we were just talking about with Cheerio here of a guy that spent most of the summer in Arizona as part of our rookie ball group. And, and really did a great job as a as a high school draftee last year to be able to develop how he is currently. And a lot of that's some of the stuff away from the field of becoming a professional with his routines. That's in the training room, in the weight rooms, kind of connecting some of the dots with what he's doing physically and during his bullpens between outings to, to make himself better and better for when he is in game. And Jackson's done just that and pitched the other night for us and, uh, did a great job attacking the strike zone despite having some early hurdles, and I think that's just what we're seeing from him: is a an exciting young lefty that is learning what it takes to be consistent night in, night out, uh, but is doing that with a pretty impressive arsenal for an 18, 19 year old kid that can run his fastball up to 95, can really spin two breaking balls and a slider and a curveball that's made him effective both against righties and lefties out of the gate. So. a a pretty impressive foundation that our our pitching group and uh, our whole team in Arizona just did a tremendous job continuing to push him to become more and more of a professional with some of the little things. And um, I think that that speaks to to why we've seen him go out there and have success over uh, the most innings he's ever thrown in his life this year.
2: And on the, the pitching side, we talked about it on the position player side 2023 20, drafted players heading out to play right. for a full season club, and and on that pitching side, uh, who's gotten that opportunity so far, and how impressed have you been with them?
5: Yeah, we've you know we've had a couple guys that have gone out in relief roles, Jacek, Morehouse, Driver, are a couple of the the new guys that have have made their way over to Lynchburg, and, and all three of those guys have come in thrown strikes. Again, our Arizona group did such a great job, kind of putting them through our our progression of bullpen live BP make sure that they're feeling healthy and ready to go. And, and they've gone out there and contributed meaningful innings to to Lynchburg's, you know, push to get into the playoffs here in the second half. So, you know, all three of those guys offer some unique attributes of whether it's Jacek with strike throwing and like a really impressive college, uh, performance line or Morehouse and, and driver two guys that, can run it up in the mid-90s and have come out of the, the bullpen in late-inning situations and already made a mark for the Hillcats. So, you know, a couple guys that are college performers that we're hoping to, to see some continued success down the home stretch here and, and see what opportunities they have looking ahead to
2: 2024. Well, Rob, as always, great stuff on the farm system. Thanks a lot for coming by. We'll talk to you soon.
5: I appreciate it, Rosie. Hopefully the construction in the background wasn't
2: too much of a distraction for everybody. So thanks for having me on. And as we record this, the Blue Angels are going by here by the ballpark (laughs) practicing for the air show. Uh, You weren't in one of those jets coming back from Lynchburg, were
5: you? Uh, I wish I was. I would have made it home a lot quicker than I did this morning.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's Rob Serfolio, the Guardians Director of Player Development, with an update on Single A Lynchburg, some good things happening down there for the Hillcats as uh, they get ready for postseason. Potentially, they have some work to do, but about a week to go in their season before it wraps up. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Guardians Weekly. As always, thanks to Brian Matze for helping to put together our show each week. Until next week, when we join you from Anaheim, California, the Guardians out west on their coming road trip. This is Jim Rosenhouse reminding you that you've been listening to Guardians Weekly on the Cleveland Clinic Guardians Radio Network. Guardians Weekly has been brought to you by Progressive, helping Guardians fans save hundreds on car insurance.